0: All right, bobby you ready it's been a couple weeks i gave you a break okay here check this one out all right he was not only an original signer of the declaration of independence but john adams actually considered this guy to be listen one of america's three most notable founding fathers right alongside with george washington and benjamin franklin and he was born on a plantation in 1746 just outside of philadelphia and he was the fourth of seven children and his father died when he was six years old, which left his mom to take care of the country store that they ran, so she sent him off to live with his relatives so he can get a proper education. And it didn't take long for him to do just that. In 1760, he graduated from the College of New Jersey, later to be called Princeton, which used to be based on uh, Christian principles. And later he went to Scotland, where he graduated from the University of Edinburgh with a master's degree. And when he came back to the colonies, he opened up a medical practice and joined the Sons of Liberty a group dedicated to the protection of the rights of the colonists and fighting against the tyranny of the stranglehold of Great Britain. And like many others of his time, he not only used his education to alleviate the sufferings of man, listen, but to alleviate the sufferings of sin that can be remedied only through Jesus Christ. Get this, as the founding member, listen to this, of America's first Bible society, he is the one who helped started the creating the American Sunday School movement. Came from this guy way back then, folks. Okay. Then he helped organize America's first anti-slavery society, and he was the leader of a national abolition movement. And then when it came to the education of the American youth, listen to this. Right? We're supposed to keep Jesus out of school, right? That's what they say today. This is the father of public schools under the Constitution. Here's what he said. The gospel of Jesus Christ prescribes the wisest rules for just conduct in every situation in life. Happy are they who are enabled to obey them in all situations. The great enemy of salvation of man, Satan, in my opinion, he says, never invented a more effective means of limiting Christianity from the world than by persuading mankind that it was, quote, improper to read the Bible in schools. He warned about that back then. He said, Christianity, though, is the only and true perfect religion. And in proportion to mankind, adopt its principles and obey its precepts. They will be wise and happy. Listen, the Bible should be read in our schools in preference to all other books. Founding father. And then in 1806, he actually uh, proposed inscribing, quote, the phrases, the son of man came into the world not to destroy men's lives, but to save them above the doors of courthouses and other public buildings. And he clearly let it be known where his true eternal hope lie. He says, my only hope of salvation is in the infinite transcendent love of God manifested to the world by the death of his son, Jesus Christ upon the cross. Nothing but his blood will wash away my sins. I rely upon it exclusively. And today he is still known in our country as one of the greatest physicians, educators, philanthropists, humanitarian statesman, surgeon general of the Continental Army, signer of the Declaration of Independence, Treasurer of the US Men, and member of the Continental Congress, and the father of American medicine, just to name a few, the hats he wore. The man's name, of course, is Dr. Benjamin Rush. So much for not having Christians as founding nation. can you, man? That's one Christian, one guy, right? One guy, look at all the things that he did. How many guys would say that Dr. Benjamin Rush had a pretty cool life as a Christian, right? God used him to affect the whole course of our nation, folks. And we have forgotten his words of wisdom. It is Jesus Christ that we need to follow and have in our schools. Hello. Okay, and we've turned away from that. But that's right, folks. Once again, we've got a problem. Even though God's the same God and we're just as much his children as Dr. Benjamin Rush is, right? What's going on today? Most of us, as Christians, if we're honest with ourselves, we read the Bible in one hand, we take a look at our life in the other, and we're going. There is a serious disconnect here. I mean, it's not matching up. How come? You know, I read one thing in the Bible, I took a look at my life, and it's not matching up. How come these people, like Doctor Benjamin Rush, they get to have this amazing, fruitful walk with Jesus Christ, just like I read with the people in the Bible, and here I am, fumbling around the dark. I don't have this life worth living for. I got a life worth giving up. You ever been there as a Christian? Wonder why it doesn't compute. Well, folks, that's why we're going to continue our study, A Life Worth Living For. And what we're doing is taking a look at the different keys I believe are pivotal if we're going to have those amazing walks, just like Dr. Benjamin Rush had. And it really is available to every single Christian. God's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. Do you know that? Okay. In fact, turn to somebody and say it once again that means you. I'm trying to make it easy, right? Okay, it really is true. Okay, now we've already seen the first six times. The first key to a life worth living for, living for Jesus in a, a great way in these last days, is experiencing God's joy. Okay, then we saw the second key, of course, was experiencing God's peace. Then we saw the next four times, who's counting? Apparently I am, Bobby. Uh, that is experiencing God's worship. And then the last three times we saw, the fourth key was experiencing God's fruit. Now, this is just common sense that we've been seeing, right? I mean, you can't just think about it. Wouldn't it be great if just somehow you could just sleep on your pillow at night and through some spiritual osmosis, (gasps) you became a great mighty Christian? How many guys would buy that pillow? Yeah, I would too, okay, but it doesn't work that way. And we saw if we're ever going to get around to living these lives that we keep reading about every single week of some amazing Christian at some aspect of Christian history who did some amazing things for God, then we got to do something about it, right? Right? We got to be fruitful ourselves we got to do what God says to do be obedient to him or we're wasting our time now last time we saw the third thing we need to learn if we're going to have that fruitful walk with Jesus is to have an attitude of instant obedience one that obeys God boom lickety split no hesitation no categorization whatever God says you do it okay and we saw that's the whole issue that we have a problem with we can sit there and we can consecrate ourselves unto God we can say I'm going to obey him every single day we can acknowledge that his way is the best way to the best possible life this side of heaven but if we don't get our timing down it's all going to get messed up and we saw the two roadblocks that we put up every single day and one was this attitude of hesitation god gives us an order but we uh, let me think about that first what what's there to think about name one command from god that's bad for us it's all for our good but we give into hesitation and things get messed up the next thing that we do is we give into categorization And we size it up like it's no big deal. It's a small thing. It's a minor issue. You know, like that speed limit thing. Remember that? It's it's not a big thing, right? And we forget the reality, folks. God wants obedience in all things, not just what we categorize as the big or small thing. Why? Because that might be the very reason why he's not cutting you loose with the big thing. He can't trust you with this little small thing. If you're faithful with the little, I'm going to entrust you with the much and he won't trust you with the much because he's waiting for you to do something small first common sense okay but that's not all we're going to take a look at another aspect of what god would have you and i to do when it comes to an attitude of obedience okay and this is this the fourth thing we need to learn is to have an attitude of unquestionable obedience i mean no questions asked he gives the order just do what in the world he says to do why because who is this this is God, this is Jesus. He is the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the master of the universe. When he gives an order, you obey him. How dare we question him? Have we forgotten that he's not just our savior? He is Lord of all. In fact, this is wrapped into, acknowledge it, of his lordship, is wrapped up into the very salvation we rest our eternal hopes on. I didn't say it. God did. Romans chapter 10. Open your Bibles there. Romans chapter 10 okay verses 9 through 13 notice how many times we're going to see this word lord okay not to again downplay jesus being our savior praise god for that but notice in this salvation passage okay how many times he talks about jesus being lord Okay. And again, this is the classic Romans road, right? You say, well, how do I lead somebody to Jesus? What do they need to know? Well, the Romans road, right? Romans chapter three, all of sin, we fall short of the glory of God. No one is righteous. No, one not one, right? The wages of sin is death. We deserve to die and go straight to hell. Romans six, but praise God. Uh, the gift of eternal life is through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Isn't that wonderful? Yay. And then you get to Romans 10 and the Romans road and bang, what's he say about Jesus? You need to confess with your mouth. This is what I think we forget, and I think it has a detrimental effect on our attitude towards obedience to God. Okay, let's take a look here. Romans chapter 10, okay? And let's take a look at what God would share with you and I. Drop down there to verse 9. It says this, for if you what? Confess with your mouth, Jesus is, what's the word there? Lord, not Savior, Lord. Now again, I'm not discounting Savior. That's important. Praise God he saves us, amen? Amen. But you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. And you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And you will be what? Saved. Praise God. It's all the work of Jesus. It's not our works. It's all from Jesus Christ. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. Not your works. And it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never, praise God, be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same what? Lord is what? Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him for listen everyone who calls on the name of the what lord will be saved how many times just in that romans road passage is the word not savior used but the word lord used and just a couple verses four different times for those of you hooked on counting okay is the answer there okay now what's amazing is right here in this passage it openly, repeatedly declares that Jesus is not just our Savior. It emphatically declares you need to confess that he is Lord. Now, for those of you who don't realize what this word means, Lord comes from the Greek word kurios. Let's say that. Kurios. kurios. How many of you guys are kurios, what it means? <laughs> Ken, you funny Greek scholar. You give it up for Ken. Right? Now, kurios literally means simply this, okay? We don't seem to like this word because of uh, the slavery movement and stuff, but it literally means this, master. Master. Right? Remember the show I Dream a Genie? What'd you call the guy? Master. Man, how many guys today appreciate it when your wife calls you master? <laughs> Ken, you're in trouble, dude. Let's pray for him and pray for you again. Are you kidding me? Right? No, usually those are fighting words, right? But master. But this is what the word means kudos. It means master. It means literally master of all. Now, here's what's really wild. What's interesting the word Savior appears in the New Testament 24 times. That's good. That's important. Listen to this. In the New Testament, the word Lord appears six hundred sixty-five. Savior twenty-four times, Lord six hundred sixty-five times. So I don't know about you guys. You seem pretty smart. Which do you think God's trying to provide the great emphasis on? Lordship, right? And again, not to downplay that Jesus our Savior. That's important. Praise God for that. Amen. But apparently, wrapped up even in this salvation passage on the classic Roman road, one thing that God wants us to confess and get it through out of our mouth and into our heads is that Jesus Christ, he's not just our Savior. You need to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Right? Can we agree on that? Now, here's the problem. And this is what I believe even as Christians, we seem to forget over time. We get so locked into this Savior aspect, and that's true, praise God. Please don't lose sight of that. That we forget the core issue here that, listen, Jesus, who did we surrender to? Whose name did we call upon to save us in the first place? Lord, Master of all, Jesus. And because we downplay that, I think it has an effect on our obedience towards God. We rarely confess that he is our Savior, and rightly so. But how many every single day do we confess, Jesus, thank you for being Lord of all, my Lord, the Lord of everything. Oh, by the way. Did you know that we don't make Jesus Lord? He's Lord already. We acknowledge his lordship. But he is Lord of all. He's not just our Savior, he's our Lord. So that means that, listen, when he gives an order, what do you do? (laughs) You obey it, man. He calls the shots, not you. How dare we question him? Do we have any idea who we're dealing with here? What does it mean to be Lord of all? One guy puts it this way, he says this, here stands God on the day of creation. And he looks at the stars and he says, all you stars, move yourself to this place. And, and, and you start in this order and you move in a circle and, and move exactly as I tell you until I give you another word. And they obey the stars. And then he says, planets, pick yourselves up and whirl and make this formation of my command until I give you another word. And they do. He looks at the mountains and says, be lifted up. And they obey him. He says to the valleys, be cast down, and they obey him. He looks at the seas, and he says, you will come this far and no more. And the sea obeys. And then he looks at you and I and says, come, and we say no. And he says this. Does that bother anyone? (laughs) Yeah, it should. Why? Because have we forgotten? This is Jesus. He's not just our Savior. He is the Lord of all. And this is what I think we need to be reminded of. This is what I believe God is trying to tell us in our passage, in our salvation passage, that when God gives us an order, you obey him, no questions asked. He is Lord of all. And so surely that's what we're doing, right? When Jesus gives us command, we just do it, man. No questions asked. No rebellion, whatever he wants. Yes, sir. How high, sir? Every single time you get it. No. And I think it's because we've forgotten a couple things about his lordship. Okay, and the first thing is we forget, folks, that God's way is different than our own. All right, God's going to do some things. He's going to ask you to do some things, and maybe you don't understand. Oh well, do it anyway, Lord. Okay, and He's good. Trust Him. And I think this is what Isaiah is trying to get to our heads here. In Isaiah 55, it says this: "For my thoughts, God speaking, are not your thoughts. Okay, and neither are your ways my ways." Declares what's the word? The Lord. There it is. As the heavens are higher than the earth. How many guys would say that that's kind of a big difference? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So are my ways, God says, higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts? Okay. So it's pretty clear, folks. We see here in the scripture, okay, if you think about this, really shouldn't be a surprise here. I mean, God's statement here, if you think about this, even logically, even philosophically, God is so huge, he's so big, he's so way above and beyond us. Of course, there's going to be some things we don't understand. Right? I mean, think about it. My puny brain, there's no way, logically, could ever understand the infinite. I get that. It would be illogical to think otherwise. And besides, what kind of a God would he be or would we have if he was no bigger than my brain, my understanding? Answer? Not that big. Ask my wife. Okay? She can prove that point. Okay. Okay. But seriously, here's the point. Even though I may not understand what God's doing sometimes, I shouldn't be surprised because, hello, he's God. God. Of course, I'm not going to understand everything, but I trust him and just do what he says. I trust in his lordship. I trust in his character. I trust in his love for me. I trust in his goodness and do what he says, no questions asked. Only he can see the big picture. Only he has the eternal perspective. I just do what he says, no questions asked, have a great day. But the problem is that's not what we do. Listen, instead of acknowledging that God's way is different from our ways, Which, again, is just common sense logic. He's God. We rebel, and we think that, listen, his way is to be our way before we can obey. Right? Because, surely, it's God's way if it matches what we want. Right? Now, folks, we do do this all the time. And how many times do we get burned by this? Making this deadly assumption. I'm going to give you just one example. I did this when I was in Bible college, right? And I was invited with a couple other people to facilitate a time, (laughs) she's already laughing, (laughs) 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 to facilitate a time of worship, okay, I used to lead worship and stuff. Uh, with guitar and stuff in Bible college and other pastors and stuff. And so anyway, so I, I, at first I thought when I got saved, maybe God was going to call me in a music ministry or something else, whatever. But he led more towards the teaching. And that was cool. So anyway, but that time I'm doing a lot of worship music. And so I was asked to facilitate a time of worship for a traveling evangelist in Sacramento. Ooh, that's right. And so I accepted immediately first mistake. Oh, First mistake, man. I didn't seek God out. God, is this your will? Is this your way? right? Because I, I want to surrender my thought, my way to you to make sure that I'm on track. I didn't do that, first mistake. Second mistake is I didn't check references. Always check references. Anyways, whatever. So I assumed it had to be God's way because it was my way, right? And here's what happened. So that following weekend arrived, Right? And I get into this rented conference room, right? and I got my guitar, and I got my equipment, I got my amps and stuff, and I got the effects processors and all the pedals and all the cords and all the equipment. I got it all with me right in hand, and I'm beginning to set up my stuff up there on the front of the stage, and I'm all kind of glued onto that. And then I turned around, I realized that behind me, there's a television crew making preparations. And I'm going, hey, this is great. I had no idea I was going to be on TV, right? I, just, you know, I said, "Oh, this is like a double blessing, right? And so we sang, right, praise unto the Lord. We were, we were on first, right? And everything went off without a hitch, right? And so we sat down there on the front row. They sat us on the front row where the important people are. <laughs> Rather tall in the seat there. So we sat there in the front row, and the traveling evangelist gets up there to present their message. And, and I'm feeling really special, right, important. And they get into the message, only a few minutes into the message, and I realize they're speaking total, absolute heresy. It was that word of faith baloney stuff, man. They get up there, oh, God gave me a word, and there's five people in the audience here. God's telling you right now, write me a check of $500, and he'll bless you tenfold. He'll give you five grand. Come on down, just write a check right now. Come down. And I'm saying, oh, no! (laughs) And I wanted to run. I kid you not, I wanted to run. But I couldn't because all my expensive equipment's right there. I couldn't leave it, so I'm stuck there, right? And so I said, "Okay, I'm just gonna have to sweat bullets for a while." And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden I remembered. Wait a second! This thing's being televised. <laughs> oh, no, no. <laughs> and so I said, "What? What? What? What if somebody from the Bible College sees this? Are they gonna think I agree with this wacko? What's my teachers gonna think? Oh no!" I kid you not. I still wasn't. I, I, I got to get out of this somehow, right? I can't. I actually did this. I actually. I couldn't believe it. I got this bright idea. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to fix this. And I figured that I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to slowly hide from view of the cameras. (laughs) Cameras are back here, right? So at first, I was on the front row feeling tall and important. So I kid you not, I slowly, slowly began to shrink down in my seat there on the front row. Ever so slowly, not to draw attention to myself, as I was trying to make my visual escape. And so I get down there, all and my head's just about ready. At the back of the thing, I'm all scrunched down like this. And then all of a sudden, I look forward, and I spy in front of me from floor to ceiling, left to right, mirrors. <laughs> it dawned on me there was no escape. And all I did was give these guys a great view of some wacko scrunched on the front row. I went home thinking, my way is dumb way. <laughs> Why didn't I check in with God? It was dumb. Right? Now, now, granted, folks, I give you a, a hilarious example, okay? It was a good spanking from God for me personally. I laugh about it now. It wasn't funny that day, right? Just crawled out of there, right? I was sweating bolts for weeks, scanning the channels. Oh, please don't be shown. Please don't. <laughs> But how many times have we gone through this and we assume that it's got to be God's way because it's our way. And, and it's not funny. And it really does hurt. And it creates a lot of havoc. And we get burned. And again, folks, we, we assume that God's way has to be our way. And, but sometimes, folks, let me add to you this it's not just that you need to check in and see if it's God's way. When you check in and see if it's God's way, sometimes it isn't going to be your way. And it's specifically going to be a way that you may not understand but you still trust him and his goodness and his lordship and do it anyway because he knows what he's doing. Cory ten Boom, she shares this story. She learned this with her sister. If you're not familiar with her, uh, World War II uh, survivor concentration camps, Holocaust, okay? Cory ten Boom and her sister, uh, Betsy, had just uh, been transferred to the worst German prison camp that they'd been to yet called Ravensbrück. And they, along with hundreds of other women, were stripped of their few belongings and forced into a very small barrack. And the problem was it was not only cold and overcrowded, but it was infested with fleas, right? But by miracle of God, they managed to smuggle in a small Bible, small Bible. And so Corey and Betsy would read it as often as they could for personal encouragement. And one morning they read the passage in the Bible that said to give God thanks in all things, right? So Betsy and Corey told, uh, Betsy told Corey that they need to stop and thank the Lord for everything. Listen, including the fleas, all things. Well, frustrated and flea-bitten, Corey refused to give God thanks for those fleas, but her sister persisted until finally Corey gave in begrudgingly. But the good news is that during those months that they had spent in that flea-infested barrack, those sisters were able to not only hold regular Bible studies to encourage themselves, but many of the other hurting women as well. And of course, this was a huge risk because if the guards had caught them, they would either be tortured or killed. But for some strange reason, the guards never, ever, ever seemed to notice. And that's when, several months later, they finally learned the reason why. You see, the guards would not enter the barracks because of all the fleas. fleas. True story. Turn to somebody and say, "Thank God for the fleas." Right? God knew what He's doing the whole time, right? How many times have thousands been? Oh, this doesn't make sense. Go get it up, get it up. Just trust Him. Knows what He's doing. Just like with that, true story, folks. We don't have to wait for an attack of the killer fleas to get this blessing. We need to acknowledge what Isaiah says. God's ways are higher than our thoughts. His thoughts are, hello, so he's God. Trust in him. Submit to his goodness, his lordship. He knows what he's doing. And everything is going to turn out just fine. It's kind of like this saying, love, I love this, okay? This is what we do. God's ways versus ours, all right, uh, is what we see here. But I asked for strength and God gave me difficulties to make me strong, and, and then I asked for wisdom, and God gave me problems to solve, and, and then I asked for prosperity, and God gave me brain and brawn to work, okay, and I asked for courage, and God gave me danger to overcome, and I asked for love, and God gave me troubled people to help, and, and I asked for favors, and God gave me opportunities, and I received nothing I wanted, but you know what? <laughs> I got everything I needed. Isn't that just like God? How much easier would our walk with Jesus be if we would just acknowledge what Isaiah is trying to tell us? God is God and we're not. His way is different than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He knows what he's doing. Just trust him. Give him unquestionable obedience. You got it? You want me to live in the fleas? Praise God for fleas. There must be something fantastic, wonderful reason why you're allowing this. Have a great day. This is Jesus. And this is the kind of obedience that we need to give to him. The second thing we've forgotten to think about his lordship is knowing that his ways differ than our ways. Hello. Which, again, is common sense logic, right? The second thing is, did you know that God doesn't bind to our excuses? In case you're wondering, that's the conviction noise. That's right. Yeah. In fact, don't take my word for it. Listen to all these excuses. Jesus gives an order and listen to what they just string them along. Oh, Right? And uh, Jesus uh, calls them on the carpet every single time. Luke chapter 9, verse 57- 62, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, "Jesus, by the way, uh, I, I, I will follow you wherever you go." Really?" And Jesus replied, "Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. There's no guarantees it's not a life of cushion. All right? Are you really understanding what it means to follow me? It's not going to be easy. Okay, He said to another man, he said, follow me, Jesus said. But the man replies, Lord, what's the word he said with his mouth? Lord, first what? Let me go bury my father. And what's Jesus say? Jesus said to him, you let the dead bury their own dead, but you go do what I said to do. Go proclaim the kingdom of God. And still another one said, I'll follow you. What's the word? Lord, but, but first, let me go back and, and, and say goodbye to my family. And Jesus replied, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. That's from Jesus. Serious words, okay? Here we have several people saying, oh, I'm going to follow Jesus. I, I'm going to obey him. I'm going to do what he says. I, I'm, I'm even saying him as Lord. But when it came down to it, what they do? just offered him a long string of excuses. And again, they called him Lord, but the problem was they didn't submit to him as Lord. It's called lip service. And if you believe in his Lordship and who he is, it's life service. You're not trying to earn your salvation. We can't. But when you understand who he is, yes, as our Savior, but also as Lord of all, who wouldn't want to do what he says? His character, he's good, he's awesome take fleas and do something fantastic with them hello just do what he says you need to submit we need to submit to him as being lord okay they didn't do what the lord jesus asked them to do and what was jesus response that's okay maybe next time partner huh no oh you got yeah hey okay you got me Your excuses, oh, they make so much sense to me. It's so logical. I get it. Okay, you're escaped from that responsibility. What did Jesus say? You're not fit for the service of my kingdom. You're a fake. You profess me as Lord, but I see right through you. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? There's a disconnect there. Because if you really mean it when you call him Lord, Lord, it's a different attitude. So again, this is hopefully something that we're not doing. We're not saying Lord, Lord, and we're not really doing what the Lord says, and we're not offering a bunch of excuses, are we? You guys want to repeat the noise? Okay, go ahead. Okay, because here it comes. <laughs> I think we are. I think, unfortunately, we are, and I think it's because it's a trend in our society. What is one thing that our society refuses to do. Nobody wants to take responsibility for their actions, right? It's always somebody else's fault. You always make excuses for this. Oh, it's not me. It's them. It's that. It's this. Blah, 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 blah. Nobody wants to take you know, oh, so excuses and we're just, we, oh, just throw out an excuse and it makes it all go away. No, it doesn't. In fact, I'm so bad that we have made an art form out of excuses. I actually came across, this better not be from anybody here. I came across of a top 10 list of excuses to say, if you get caught sleeping at your desk at work, you better not be taking notes, right? This is a hopefully an illustration, right? Number 10, they told me at the blood bank this might happen, right? I was just trying to do public service duty. Uh, number nine, this is just a 15-minute power nap they raved about in the last management course you sent me to, right? It's your... Problem. Hey, phew, I guess I left the top off that liquid paper. That's fumes, they get you, you know what I'm saying? <sighs> hey, hey, I wasn't sleeping. I was meditating on the mission statement and envisioning a new paradigm. But you messed it up, man. I was right in the middle of it. Hey, number six, this is one of those seven habits of highly effective people. You just take a nap and, uh, Hey, no, I was testing the keyboard for drool resistance. I'm one of those techie guys, you know what I'm saying? I'm here for the employees. Hey, no, no, number four, oh, rats, why did you interrupt me? I would almost figured out the solution to our biggest problem. Boss, you ruined it. Hey, number three, hey, someone must have put decaf in the wrong pot. Now, there's a little bit of truth to that. Have you experienced that? <laughs> you ever get a bit like that? But let's just move on. Number two, okay, I wasn't sleeping. I was trying to pick up a contact lens without hands. Trying to show you how talented I am, boss, right? But apparently, folks, the, the best thing to say if you get caught sleeping at your desk at work, especially if you're a Christian, is simply put your head up and say, amen. Yeah. <laughs> sure, that's what you were doing, Bobby. I don't think so. You spiritual guy, you. Yeah. Okay. But again, this is what we do. No matter how ridiculous it is, man, we don't just do this with our employer. We do it with God. As if he doesn't know. Right? And then to make it even worse, we do the exact same thing that the people in the text did. Not just make excuses, we try to strike a bargain with God. Right? Because that's what they were doing. I'll I'll strike a bargain with you, right? You told me to do something, but I'm going to... Folks, I don't know if you learn. You ain't coming out on top when you try to strike a bargain with God. Like this preacher learned. One day this country preacher decided to skip Sunday services. Mm -mm. By the way, that's not where I was the last two weeks. And instead, he, uh, he went to the hills uh, to do some bear hunting, right? And he's around in the corner on this perilous twist in the trail. He and a bear collided, right? And it sent him and his rifle tumbling down the mountainside. And before he knew it, uh, his rifle went one way and he went the other way. And he landed on a rock and he broke both of his legs. That was the good news. The bad news was the ferocious bear charging at him from a distance and he couldn't even move. And so he prayed. He says, oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry for skipping services uh, today to to come out here and hunt. Please forgive me and and, and grant me just one wish. Please, God, please make a Christian out of that bear that's coming at me. Please, Lord. Kid you not, that very instant, bang, the bear skidded to a halt, fell to its knees, clasped its paws together, and began to pray right aloud at the preacher's feet. Dear God, please bless this food I'm about to receive. (laughs) just doesn't work, does it? trying to strike a bargain with God, giving him a string of excuses. Folks, come on. This is, God knows everything. What are we doing? But we still play the game, right? And this is what we see in this text. Jesus is giving a simple command. It's not a big line. Oh, I, it, was, it was 14 pages long. I don't know what he said. I'm so confused. No, it's just two words. Follow me. That's it. Follow me. And even though they called him Lord in name only, they didn't submit to him and obey him as Lord. And they gave him a bunch of excuses. See if it sounds familiar. Let me first. See, that's the problem. Who comes first? Not me first. Not what I want. God. Jesus. He is Lord of all. Let me first go bury my father. You know what's going on there? He wanted to get his inheritance. Can I translate that for you for the vernacular? Hey, let me first get some big money. Let me make sure I got a large savings account. Let me make sure got a retirement plan a 401k plan. make sure that i'm financially secure then after i've done all that then i can follow you jesus excuse me i can't tell you how many christians i have challenged over the years drop those stinking nets and if god is telling you to do it risk it all but i can't i'd have to give up my job get a new job do what he says you're gonna put that job before him same thing no let me first let me, let me first go say goodbye to my family and tie up loose ends and make contact with my friends and I've got to make sure that it's convenient with all my relatives. Tips. We know this in ministry. Sometimes you've got to say goodbye to your family. But Jesus comes first. And that's what they said. Let me first. The correct response when he says, follow me, is, yes, God. You first, not my finances, not my secure future, not my family, not my conveniences, not my friends, you. Why? Because this is Jesus. He's not just our Savior. He's the Lord of the universe. When he gives an order, we obey. How dare we question him? Let alone give him excuses. He's the king of kings, the Lord of lords. He's the master of the universe. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He looks at the stars and he says, move to this place and they obey. He says to the planets, pick yourselves up and whirl, and they do. He says to the mountains, be lifted up. The valleys be cast down, they obey. He looks at the sea and says, you will come this far and no more and they do. And he looks at you and says, follow me. And you say, no, let me first. Can I repeat the phrase? Anybody got a problem with that? Something's wrong. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. I didn't say that. Jesus did. And how far can you push this attitude? And it's really showing a deeper problem. Have you really surrendered to Jesus Christ? Is he really your Savior? I don't know. The heart only God does. I, I'm very replete. I'm trying to, it's, it's only his work on the cross. But we've got to deal with the scripture that says there's many that will profess, but they don't possess. And did you know the same thing was true in Noah's day at the first judgment? Like this video shows. Let's take a look.
1: When God said, come into the ark, you and all your household, Noah saw God close the ark and the people on the outside didn't. I wonder if he slept those seven days before the rains came. I know if it was me, I couldn't have slept. I know there are sleepless nights that I have and I'm pondering the things of God, and what He has showed me and what is coming to this country. Can you sleep? I don't see how you can sleep at night. The bingo halls are full But the churches are empty. And you may be saying, Sam, but my church is full. Full of what? Dead men's bones? The casinos are full, but no one will give to God? Concerts are packed, but no one will praise the Almighty. We will scream and shout for a rock star, but sit quietly bored when hearing about God Almighty. We will sit through a movie for two hours, but we can't even pray for two hours. We will drive out of state for a game or a race. We can't even get up on Sunday morning or Sunday nights or Wednesday to hear the word of God. And these are so-called Christians that do this. Not only is the world asleep and the fire is getting ready to come upon this earth, but the Christians are asleep. This is Christians that do this. They give God crumbs while they dine on the fruits of the world. They demand unconditional love, and they give God lip service. They demand blessing, though they curse His name. They demand the flesh, but they crucify the Spirit. They say we can't go to church every time the doors are open, but they can take their kids to football, baseball, basketball, wrestling, dance, circus, the fair or just sit in front of a TV all night long. But going to be in the presence of the Heavenly Father is just too much to ask for them. We will work 8, 10, 12 hours a day to pay the bills and buy the bass boat. But we will tell the one who breathed life into us, one hour should do, God. We sit in church, but we are godless. We have a form of godliness. But we deny the power thereof. I don't see how the lukewarm Christians can sleep at night. Before the rains came, I believe Noah couldn't sleep. But the world outside was sleeping just fine. They fell asleep. If it were today, they would have fallen asleep watching TV. They would have just gotten home from their favorite game or their movie. They would have been doing everything under the sun eating and drinking and being merry, not knowing that tomorrow they shall die. You cannot say you were not born. In Luke chapter 21, verse 11, it says, And great earthquakes shall be in diverse places, and famines and pestilences, and fearful sights, and great signs shall there be from heaven. In verse 25, it says, With perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Can't say you were not born. Cannot say you had a Noah that did not preach to you for 120 years because you ignored him. You said, Who is that man? Oh, that's just Noah. He's going to the church house. That's just Noah. He's always talking negative. That's just Noah. Let's go back to sleep. Oh, at least when Jesus was praying in the garden, when the disciples slept at least they woke up. When the servants slept and the enemy came and sowed the tares, at least the the servants woke up. But when Jesus Christ comes back, His kingdom will be likened unto the ten virgins, the five wise and the five foolish, and they will be sleeping, all of them. Oh, that we may open our eyes and see, see what is coming. Yet we sleep on. God have mercy.
0: Yeah, God have mercy. What did Jesus say before he's coming back a second time? As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. You're going to see a repeat behavior as it was in those days. And how many people do we know in the American church that seem to have the same questionable attitude towards obedience to God? Not realizing it might be a sign that you're about to miss the boat when the rapture takes place this time. Why? Because we're saved by our works? Absolutely not. Because you're showing signs that maybe you still need to get saved in the first place. I didn't say that. Jesus did. Matthew chapter 7, verse 18 through 21. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. Can we agree on that? Right? Otherwise, it wouldn't be a good tree. And a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Otherwise, it wouldn't be called a bad tree. And this is from Jesus, by the way. Every tree that does not bear good fruit, it's what? It's cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their what? Fruit, you will recognize them. What's he talking about? The context is fake and real. All right? Sheep and goats. Wheat and tares. True and not true, right? Good tree, bad tree. That's what he says. Thus, by their fruit, you're going to recognize them, right? Not everyone who says to me, oh, there's those words again. Lord, Lord. You could even have that coming out of your mouth. That didn't save you. will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven. So does that mean you've got to live a perfect life? Is Absolutely not. We Christians are going to blow it. Anybody blow it? Recently? The rest of you just did, you lied. (laughs) Hello, myself included, okay? That's not what he's talking about. But here's the point, something's wrong. That's not a good flag, it's not a good sign. Only God knows the heart, I don't know the heart. But God does. And I didn't say these words, Jesus did. But nobody makes it past him, you can't fool him. If you could really give a rip about doing the will of God, period. If you have that same questionable attitude towards obedience and you must demand that his way has got to be your way before you can obey or just give him a bunch of string of excuses and try to bargain with him and you think it's all, it's okay, and the whole time you go, Lord, Lord, Lord. Do you really want to go there? I mean, what if he were wrong? I'm not here to cast doubt. I believe in eternal security. Praise God for that. If our salvation was not 100% complete and secure, we'd all be burning straight into hell, myself included. But we've got to deal with this category. The Scripture says that there's going to be many who take the wide road that leads to destruction. And yet there's a smaller road, a narrow road, which leads to life. And only a few. How far can you push this? Now, my thing is this. Why would you even want to go there in the first place? If you love him and you're thankful and you're grateful that he's not only our savior, but he's our Lord of all and he's so awesome and he's good and you just do what he says and have a fantastic day, fleas and all. Amen? Why would you want to go there? And that's the good news. If you just get back to that, then you not only experience God's fruit, but then he'll give you a life worth living for a Christian and he'll use you to lead many souls to him in these last days before it's too late. Because the rapture could happen today. The rapture could happen before the Super Bowl starts today. And for those of you who just got disappointed in that statement, (laughs) let me start all over with page one. Benjamin Rush. No, I wouldn't do that. All right, now, Folks, this is serious stuff. Let's make sure that our hearts are right with God, and let's get busy loving him as Lord of all as he deserves. Amen? Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get a Life Ministries, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? You see, here's the problem.